It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Oh, in front of the net, the Sharks tip it, and Mark Edward Vlasic scores. Is this going to count? Is this going to be challenged? It went off of either a stick or a skate right in front of the goal. Mark Edward Vlasic in his 1,200th game. Put the puck right off the draw, sent toward the net, right past the goaltender. They're saying no goal, it was kicked in. Okay. After video review, it was determined that the puck was directed in, not kicked in, we have a goal. In his 1200th National Hockey League game, Mark Edward Vlasic has scored his first goal of the season. What a note to remember forever. I don't know. I'll probably play street hockey with my dogs with it, or they'll steal it and put a hole in it. Oh, you got to love Mark Edward Vlasic. Good morning, everyone. The Sharks one for one in the 2023 campaign in terms of wins versus games played. You got to love it. The opportunity was there, and they took it from the Blackhawks, and that's something we have not seen the Sharks do. And I also love that the script was completely flipped on its head. If we recall... Back when the Sharks hosted the Blackhawks in their second home game of the season, their fourth game of the year, and fourth of five straight losses to begin the year was the Sharks, who had a 2-0 lead before giving up five consecutive and unanswered goals to the Chicago Blackhawks. And then the Sharks did the exact same thing to Chicago last night. I mean, that, again, from one end of the spectrum of the other, guess what, Blackhawks fans? I know how that feels entirely too well. And it was, you know, really, really nice to watch the way the Sharks did it. If you look at the number of players that contributed in terms of goals and assists last night, if you look at the way that, you know, they came up big at big moments of the game when Chicago had an opportunity to get back into it when the Sharks were on the kill, if you look at the opportunities that the Sharks had early on and weren't finding the breakthrough, that was frustration that we've seen lead to performances that have not, you know, made us particularly enamored with the Sharks' performances. I mean, there were just a lot of things... That went right for the Sharks last night, and that's funny because ultimately to start off that game, you give up your first goal when your goalie breaks his stick, and what do you, I mean, like David Quinn said after the game, here we go again, and that's kind of the same thing that I felt, and you're down 2-0, and you think to yourself, how are the Sharks down 2-0? The first period they played was a really, really good period, in my opinion, at the very least. They were creating opportunities, they were not finding the breakthrough, and I was just trying to figure out, like, how on earth... Is this the way that this game is working right now? And especially considering the fact that the Sharks were creating opportunities and were doing a lot of the things that I felt they needed to do to give themselves a chance. And then they're down 2-0 in the second period, and I'm just thinking, 
I, I don't know anything about hockey anymore because the Sharks are working hard. I feel like they're doing a lot of the right things. The second period was not as good as the first, granted, but it was like to that point you felt like the Sharks should have been rewarded. Into that point, I felt like the Sharks had been the better team, but it was like, what is happening? Like, why are the Sharks not finding a way to be ahead in this game? And then the rectification, the correction, however you want to call it, happened. And the Sharks scored three goals in short order to go from down 2 nothing to up 3-2. And listen, the Sharks with a one-goal lead going into the third is not the most comfortable position we've ever seen this team in. So I was very much feeling the fact that the Sharks could be on shaky ground, even though momentum had certainly swung their way. But to the Sharks' credit, even though they did have to deal with some big-time kills in the third period, they were able to find themselves a good and necessary performance, a good finish. They had two goals. They extended their 3-2 lead to a 5-2 lead. They handled what the Blackhawks brought, and they ended up winning relatively handily. And I don't mean that to diminish the effort that the Blackhawks brought, because I don't think it was that type of a blowout, a 5-2 game, because the Sharks were down 2 nothing and had to fight and scratch and claw their way back into it. But it was one of those games where you just kind of looked at this and said, all right, you're down 2 nothing. What's going to happen with the Sharks right now? Especially considering the fact that the first goal was a goal he didn't have his stick because it had broken. And those are the things where you're just shaking your head. You're like, come on, man. Maybe maybe your reaction was a little more forceful with a couple more F-bombs. I don't know. You'll have to tell me. But, you know, it was definitely one of those things where I was just kind of shaking my head and thinking, like, how does this happen? How does this happen? So to end up with a positive vibe when all was said and done was great. And, again, the Sharks needed that win. They needed to make up for what had gone wrong in some recent games like Philadelphia like Dallas, it is a split of this mini road trip because now they're going to come home. They get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, and then Friday they are in Anaheim before being back home Saturday night against Boston. Then they go back out onto the road against Arizona and against L.A. They host Edmonton, they host New Jersey, they host Dallas, and then they uh, go on the road for their longest road trip of the year at Columbus, at Boston, at Detroit, at Carolina, at Pitt, that finishes up the schedule for the month of January. And then uh, they start back up after the break uh, at Tampa, at Florida, at Washington. So very much similar echoes to what we saw a year ago in terms of that scheduling. Uh, but the Sharks have got some challenges ahead of them with this schedule. And they also have some opportunities to prove themselves. So it is going to be very exciting to see what happens over the next few weeks and uh, the month of January into the month of February with this team. Not that I think they're going to make some incredible run. I would love it if it happened, but I think that ultimately you want to see the team continue to show signs of improvement, continue to take steps in the right direction. And another aspect which I have routinely talked about is that they continue to show us clarity with what the future direction of the team is going to be. And that is something we are going to get into on the other side when Corey Massasak of The Athletic joins me. I had part of his interview on during the build-up yesterday. If you missed that, go check it out. We talked about the story he did on Radim Shimek, which I really, really enjoyed. And we also talked about... Ryan Merkley, and we got into some of the futures discussion of this team, which is what I'm going to play in the second half of today's episode, which I do think you want to hear. But I want to touch on a couple of things. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, who we came in with getting his uh, his goal on his 1200th game. I mean, listen, I know Vlasic is a polarizing figure to some. I think that he's had 
a much better year this year with this staff, and I think he's looking more like the Mark Edward Vlasic that we uh, appreciate from years past. I know that I don't see people complaining about about him as much on social media, which is always a good thing, but you know, 1,200 games with one franchise is a remarkable number any way you want to look at it. And also the fact that, you know, he gets a timely goal. He is just, you know, so blasé about it in the post game. I love, oh, I'll let my, you know, I'll play street hockey with it or my dogs will steal it and put a hole in it. You just, you love it. And again, like that's such a, a pro's goal for Mark Edward Vlasic. He just knows exactly what to do. He redirected it in. He did not kick it in. It was just every bit of his veteran guile going to work in that instant, and you loved it. I, I thought it was one of those great moments where Vlasic was so confident, picking up the puck after it scored like he was thinking, nah, there's no way. I know exactly what happened. I know I didn't kick it. So you see moments like that. It was such just a, a cute little moment in the midst of a game that, you know, ultimately years and years down the line, I don't think anybody's going to be talking about this game between the Sharks and the Blackhawks two of the uh, lower teams in the NHL at this point of the season. But when we look back and we think about history for Mark Edward Vlasic, this is definitely going to be one that uh, I I think we'll appreciate in terms of a goal and how it was scored just because it was so classic Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, Eric Carlson, he's on pace for 111 points now. He's got 53 points through 39 games. I don't really know what else can be said about Eric Carlson at this point, but I do know that he is having a remarkable, remarkable season is giving the Sharks one hell of a ride. You know, he's giving them one unbelievable performance. And listen, I do know there are fans out there who are saying like, yeah, well, where has this been over the last couple of years? This is the Eric Carlson we have been expecting. This is the Eric Carlson that we paid for. Totally valid takes. Totally valid takes. I understand it. You know, he was their leading point scorer in the 1920 season before it was cut short prematurely due to COVID. 2021, Eric Carlson, that was bad. I Listen, I don't know what was going on with him. I don't know what his body was like. Your guess is as good as mine. Last year, he was off to a very nice start before the injuries and COVID and such, so that was disappointing. Um, but this year, he is playing his best hockey in terms of point production that we have ever seen. And it's not the same Eric Carlson that we saw earlier in his career uh, because maybe the physical tools to the same extent just aren't there. But I will say, and we even heard Logan Couture talk about this the other day, his jump is there to a better extent than has been. It seems like his skating is better. It seems like his stick handling is better. It seems like there's you know, there's a lot of things that he does um, better than he's done in his time with the Sharks previously. And, you know, the free-flowing, wild-skating rover Eric Carlson that we saw earlier in his career, that's not the Eric Carlson that we see now to the same extent, although at times he will impress you with his skating. But, you know, things he's doing mentally with his vision, with his willingness to make things happen, I mean, that is what to me is so astounding because you just watch the way he sees the game right now, what he is able to put the Sharks in the position to do, what he is just overall visualizing. It is a uh, it is a remarkable stretch for him. And I think that, you know, if he keeps it up, we are going to be looking at one of the great seasons of all time. And like the thing is, he keeps on putting up multi-point games. Like it's not like he's getting a four-point game and then going quiet and then getting a four-point game and going quiet. Like he's getting... Two points, game after game after game after game. And you just, you watch him continue to rack it up. I mean, a down night for him is one point, it feels like. And he's riding this point streak. There is no slowing him down. And you just get to watch one of the great performances up to this point that we've ever seen. I mean, even just in terms of Shark history, we're watching a streak right now that's of a quality that we've really never seen before. And that's incredible when you think about the guys who have been on this team, who have done incredible things with this team, your Jumbos, your Patties, 
you know, your Pavelskis, for instance. Um, and you'll get, you know, some of the great defensemen that have played for the Sharks, like a Boyle, like a Burns, like a Doug Wilson. I mean, Doug Wilson's Norris Trophy winning season was an 82-point season. And Eric Carlson's, you know, got 53 points through 39 games. This is just a dialed-in athlete doing everything right. And then you look at all the Sharks last night that got a point out of last night's game. Two for Couture, two for Carlson, two for Lindblom, one for Vlasic, one for Benino, one for Harrington, one for Hurdle, one for Benning, one for Meyer, one for Svechnikov, one for Gadjevich, one for Barabanov. I mean, that is 12 players contributing with points. If you get that many players contributing with points in a game, you are going to win. That's how you know it was a team-wide effort. That's how you know you look at it and you can say to yourself, all right, that was exactly what we needed to see. And I know we've made the argument at various points this year that for the Sharks to win, they need a lot of things to go right. Well, you know, last night they made a lot of things go right. Like, that's something that I can appreciate in the sense that they made those things go right. Like, there were many games this year where we've watched the Sharks where they have simply not made things go right, where they have not been able to put themselves in a position to be opportunistic or take advantage. I mean, I look at the rebound goal for Timo Meyer. right place, right time, there for a rebound to knock it home and extend the Sharks' lead. Like, that's exactly the type of thing that you hope to see from a team. That is exactly the type of thing that you want one of your best players to be doing. Like, they don't always have to be brilliant, beautiful, mind-bending goals. Like, sometimes you just need to have the poacher's goal, right place, right time. I mean, Joe Pavelski, he's made a career out of it. And you can look at all the tip plays and you look look at the gre- rebounds and the greasy goals and all the things of that nature. Like Joe Pavelski, he knows how to battle in the tight spaces down low and be able to knock a puck home. And he's there for the rebound. He's there for the deflection. He's there for the loose puck. And Timo Meyer was there because he was going hard to the net. Mark Edward Vlasic going hard to the net. Svechnikov with his beautiful backhander uh, going hard to the net. Like the Sharks made things happen. And it's something that David Quinn has been talking about lately, about wanting the team to shoot more. I did feel like the team was trying to work harder to take the shots when they were there. I know that we want to create, you know, the best possible shot. I know that you want to create, you know, puck cycling and open up movement and create space. But sometimes it's just about putting that puck on net and asking questions of the defense and the netminder. And I know that is not some technical brilliance. I know that is not going to set your hair on fire. But I think sometimes... It is maybe not as simple as that, but that's how you can create opportunities. Like go hard, make the goalie react, make them make a play, see what happens once the puck is in chaos, and then go from there. If you look at the first goal that the Sharks scored for Jonah Gadjevich, it was Eric Carlson just throwing one into the mixer and waiting to see what would happen. And I think uh, Hurdle thought that he had that goal at first, but it was eventually awarded to Gadjevich. But, I mean, that was one of those moments where you said Carlson flung that puck in there, not knowing what would happen, but he knew that by throwing it in there, it would create chaos, a possibility for the Sharks to be opportunistic, and lo and behold, you got yourself a goal. And the Edo will move it out. Banked it off the left boards, puck crosses the Chicago line, Hurdle is in there ferociously to work it free. He drops it back near side, gets a return attempt from Lindblom, but he missed it with a stick. Hurdle gets it back behind the net, and he turns off of a check, holds on to it, back to the point. Carlson, the shot save, made, rebound, score! The Sharks kept jamming at it, and jamming at it, and jamming at it. And Eric Carlson is going to get a point because of that jamming. Carlson shoots the puck to the goal. 
and it was knocked toward the net by Jonah Gadjevich. He should get credit for the goal. Hurdle was also in there, and the Sharks get the first goal of the night. But guess what, folks? Eric Carlson has just set a new Sharks record with a point in his 13th consecutive game. More Ruzanowski, always a good thing. But yeah, Carlson, shot, rebound, scores. That, to me, is not exactly a wild bit of coaching, but it's telling these guys, hey, take it to the net, make something happen, give yourself an opportunity, and maybe, just maybe, when this play ends, the puck might be in the back of the net. That's exactly what happened. All right, on the other side, we are going to get into some post-game sound, and we are going to talk with Corey Massasak of The Athletic. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. Nico Sturm is going to beat the icing call. He's got it in deep in the Blackhawk zone. Worked it to Svechnikov. Blind pass to the top of the slot. Intercepted by Kane, and the Blackhawks take off. Kane down the left is making the move on Benning. Throwing to the slot. Score! Lafferty was in front of the goal. Might have gone off the Sharks' defense, though. Patrick Kane making the play, and it all goes back to that turnover with a blind pass in the offensive zone from the corner that Sveshnikov missed. Blackhawks lead 2-0. Yeah, you know, it was after our start to the game, and it's 2-0, you're thinking, not again, because I just thought we really played well in the first period. I thought our first 10 minutes were really set the pace and the tempo, and, you know, we did everything with conviction. And then, you know, the second period, they had some life, get the two goals, and, but just loved our perseverance and our mental toughness and how we responded. And, uh, you know, when you're going through what we've been going through, it's not easy when you get down to nothing, right? Human nature can kick in, and, but I love the way we battle back. Head coach David Quinn bringing us back in on a Monday morning. And yeah, I mean, that was a great battle back again. You're down to nothing. You're on the road. Things are not feeling good at that point. You score five consecutive goals. Of course, three in short order in the second period to go from a 2-0 deficit to make it a 3-2 game. You steal momentum, and not only that, you build upon it by adding two more in the third wall, also handling uh, some good opportunities on the power play for Chicago. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've talked about this a lot. We've been in the situation with hockey games and haven't been able to do it. So, you know, to be able to, you know, put the game away uh, certainly feels good. And as I said, you know, the only way to learn how to do it is do it and you draw from those experience. So hopefully we're in that position again. We, you know, have a good feeling about it and, and put, you know, follow through the way we did tonight. Good stuff there from head coach David Quinn after last night's game. With that, we are going to continue my interview with Corey Massasak of The Athletic, where I was asking him about what happened specifically in 2023 with the San Jose Sharks and the impacts that could have on the future. You know, one of the things that I was talking about this morning on Morning Tide, which I don't, I don't know if that is the the first or the second thing you do in your morning. I'm, I'm kidding, uh, but it was <laughs> the fact that, um, like for, for me, it's not the, it's not the hockey in 2023 that's going to define where the Sharks are in 
three, four, five years. It's the decisions that are going to be made in the calendar year 2023 that are really going to impact what happens next with this team. And, you know, I, I know that when you uh, took the gig out here, I remember one of our first interviews, you said that, you know, you were really fascinated to see what the Sharks were going to do, um, you know, to kind of build themselves back to where they were. Like, do you agree with that assessment that, that this calendar year in terms of the decisions that are going to be made could have long-standing ramifications about where they are in a few years? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I, and that's, that might be, there, there's, it's, it's probably more rare that a year, that a year wouldn't have, you know, like that wouldn't be true, but especially for this team in this situation, like they're, yeah. you know, I mean, they're, <clears throat> I mean, just whatever happens with Timo Meyer is, is the, you know, is, is sort of the linchpin for, okay, is this, you know, is, are they, is this going to be a short-term thing? Is this going to be a long-term thing? Um, you know, obviously what happens, you know, whatever happens with the lot, with the ping pong balls and, in may and then whatever you know whatever they try to do from that from the 2023 draft but um yeah i I mean i think you know you know it it starts with timo but then there's other you know i i I almost there's it's all it's almost like there's like three different paths it's like okay they let's say they trade timo and they say we're just gonna you know you know really really start over or they're gonna trade timo but also like try to like get young players back for him and maybe get some other young, try to basically reconfigure it as fast as possible, or they're going to sign Timo and, and try to, you know, thread the needle and, and, and figure it out as quickly as possible um, with the, with kind of the core that they still have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's it kind of all set, you know, that's like the big and bright neon lights thing, but then there's also like, you know, what, well, what are they going to do with the rest of the supporting cast? Are there some of those guys that they're going to trade or, or are they going to, you know, are they still going to look at guys like Eric Carlson and Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle and and maybe Timo Meyer and say, look, these guys are playing so well, we just got to get the supporting cast around them right. There's, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of different sort of ways that it can go, but it be you know, it's sort of all centers around 28 for sure. I know, but that's here's the thing that I kind of I get caught up on. It's like he is on a 45, roughly a 40, a 40 plus goal scoring pace. Let's say it's that. Cause I didn't do the math after last night's game and he didn't score in the first nine games. And like, if you go from that point on, he's been scoring at a closer to a, like a high 50, you know, 60 goal scoring rates. What can you trade that to get the equivalent points? I mean, that's cause he's only 26. Like that's where I do wonder about, you know, what, what can they truly replace that with? Because it feels like if you have an all-star, if you have a guy who is willing to take these shots, he's the one guy on the Sharks that always is happy to shoot, it seems. Quinn was talking about this the other night. It's like, why, what's the thought behind going away from that? And like, I know Timo's not flawless. He has a habit of skating the puck into a wall and turning it over. You know, like these are things that he does that are not perfect, but his upside is particularly up right now. Like we're watching a, a power forward that there are a lot of teams that I am sure right now would say, boy, I'd, why would I want to trade that for my team right now? Not saying that that isn't the answer. I just, how do you view it? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I guess I view it as if they think they can, if they think they could really flip this thing around in the next two or three years, then, then, then they should sign them. Like I, I to me, like, I think there's <clears throat> like, you know, my career has like expanded the front office staff and there's like, you know, they have, they have more, just more minds involved than, yeah. 
more opinions involved or more people involved than 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 before i think like part of that is like right now is like almost like a like a war games exercise like they should be looking at like okay let's say we what what do we do for over the next two years if we just sign timo and say we're going with this with this group okay well what if we sign timo but then we can we also still want more cap flexibility so what if we can we make this work if we sign timo but we also you know trade eric in the summer or we trade you know or we or we trade market worth Vlasic in two years can, can yeah. we make you know just so, like just kind of scheming out all of the different ways that it, it could go <clears throat> um you know because you were because i just think that like if if they if they think it's going to take more than two years or you know, let's say it's going to take three or four years to get this really right to where they can be like a hundred you know 105 point team again yeah. then um the, the 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 biggest argument against signing Timo would be that like it's going to be harder. Well, first off, like having him on the team would make it harder to to get the the draft picks that you might be looking for in that in that process. Yeah. And then also, you're <clears throat> by the time you're ready to win again, he's already if he's 29 or 30 by then, then he's, you're already halfway through that, and you've you've missed out on the you know he's probably not going to be the same player at 30 that he is at 26. No, but if <laughs> I if I look outside at what has just happened in the Bay area, just, I know it's not apples to apples, but the San Francisco giants are having trouble lining or landing free agents because they don't exactly have a lot of talent on their team. There's no ability to convince free agents that, Hey, you come here, we put you with these other guys and suddenly we're a contender. Whereas if I feel, if you say we have Timo Meyer and Tomas Schertel locked up and Eric Carlson's rediscovered his game, why wouldn't you want to come to the Sharks and maybe be part of something special? And Logan Couture is also on pace to have a very, very nice season too. Like I'm not, I'm not saying I know the answers, I'm just yeah. saying that <clears throat> I, I just saw this play out with the Giants, and so I'm wondering, it feels like, especially in California, where it's not exactly cheap to live here, like, you got to give the, rise, the guys a reason of why it could maybe work. And again, that that's assuming it could happen the next two to three years, right? Right. Yeah, it is it is a weird, I mean, they're, they're I mean, every, everything about their situation, if you compare it to, like, you know, if you just if you just compare their situation to the other teams that are in the bottom of the standings, they are so unique compared to the like. There's no like, you know. I mean, Chicago basically the bottom fell out of their roster outside of Kane and Taves. They they tried to make like a quick fix patch trade with with Seth Jones, and it didn't work. Like it didn't. It just didn't. It didn't vault them back to where they wanted yeah. to be. So they said, "All right, heck with it. We're gonna you know we're gonna do this for real." So they're gonna bottom out. Obviously, like. Arizona is, you know, has been doing this for a while, you know, um, Columbus, I mean, Columbus signed, uh, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, but it just, you know, they also were really light on defense and Zach Wierenski got hurt and bang down to the bottom. They go like they, it's, it's such a weird spot for the sharks to be in, in that like, <clears throat> like last year, like just, just last season when the, when the big five guys, including Burns, they were all like, playing well but outside of Timo none of them were really like playing super great like that was like the time when it was like oh yeah see this core is like aging and you know they they're not good enough to make the playoffs the team around them isn't good enough now you get to this year and like you bring in a new coach and he's got the big guns firing but the team still isn't good enough so what so then what do you do and that's sort of that's the I mean it's it's not as as simple like as black and white as it seems to be for, for you know obviously for some people who are, you know, it was like fans on Twitter who don't, you know, it's, 
it but it, it really is like a complicated thing like to just it's it's not as so simple to just be like well we have these like four players who are all playing really well um you know can you know how to but basically like they don't have enough cap space to just say okay let's just build around these four yeah. guys to figure it out without doing some really drastic things like i mean if they were if they really wanted to just go into next year and say look we want to build the best team we can around those four guys like you know they're gonna probably have to like they would have to like give up draft picks to get rid of some of the other the, the some of the other problematic contracts yeah um and so like that it's a really like it would be like a really extreme thing to do that people don't necessarily always do so it's like it, there, there's no simple like oh yeah just do this you know like <clears throat> it, if, like I, th- I forget who it was somebody had told me this a few years ago the simplest thing to do in the nhl is just is to just say look we're tearing it down that is the it is it is, it is as long as you have your owner's approval you're not gonna get fired for it it's the easiest thing you just look we're tearing it down and like basically being the guy with the yard sale sign up is like the best it's it's like all these people coming and asking for your players and you get to make these like fantasy hockey trades. It's like, it, that's, it, that's the easy part. But as, yeah. as obviously as we've seen, it's the, it's the going back in the other direction part that you really have to have the right plan for, and you really have to have the right draft lottery luck. And so there's not, I mean, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, I, I certainly don't, you know, I don't, I think there were a lot of, there were a lot of people around the league who were very happy that Mike Greer got this job, but they were also like not very envious of the decisions that he was going to have to make either. <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> it is not an easy gig in the slightest, no. but uh, well, I guess Corey, that's why people should go read your 16 stats <laughs> that explain the 2022, 23 season so far. Uh, and if they're not uh, subscribed to the athletic, then uh, this is the motivation they need to get greater, greater clarity. But uh, I will let you go, man. Cause now you got stuff to do. I appreciate your time as always again, happy new year. And I will see you soon. All right, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Again, that was Corey Massasak of The Athletic. If you're not following him, I highly suggest you do on Twitter and check out his stuff on The Athletic. He's got some great stories on there, especially that one about Radim Shimek. Just uh, really, really good stuff. If you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you do so. All right, that wraps up for this edition of Morning Tide. We are out of time. Uh, I will see you on Friday as we get ready for the Sharks to visit the Anaheim Ducks, which hopefully for San Jose will be another winnable game, but it is the first night of a back-to-back, the second of which they will be facing Boston at home. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. Sharks make the change here. San Jose four checks. LeBanc far side, throws it back to the point. Harrington, the one-timer, save, rebound, star! Timo Meyer's side of the goal takes the benefit of the puck that squirted away from Morazic, Meyer makes it a 4-2 Sharks lead. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.